I'm Monica Packer from About Progress, and this is How Do You, a monthly series where we hear from real women sharing how they are working on their progress with their identity, habits, and fulfillment. Years ago, I think we had two or three kids. One of my friends um, wanted to plan a little race in our community a race to benefit breast cancer because her mother had recently died from breast cancer. And, you know, we did our best, but it it was, it was more of just like a neighborhood event that people showed up on the running trails. We had some oranges for them. We had some drinks at the end. They ran their 5k and then we got in trouble by the city. <laughs> so if I were to say how not to do something, I would say, do what we did even though it still felt really good in the end and a nice tribute to her mom. But if you want to learn how to actually do something like a direct a charity race and you want to know really where to start, the guest today is going to blow you away. And if you don't want to plan a race for charity, you still need to listen to this How Do You episode because it will inspire you to create more purpose out of your pain. And that is what Leanne Stickle has done. As a woman who was diagnosed at a very young age with MS, uh, she found both a drive and a desire to serve this MS community and to do it locally where she lived too. And she got into directing races for charity. What she shares here is not only so helpful and truly like a, a playbook for those who want to get into race planning, it's also inspiring because of what Leanne says about pain in general. She says, quote, it is so beautiful to do something good with the bad part of your story, unquote. So I'm excited to share this How Do You episode with you today. Expect a lot of information, but even more inspiration. Leanne Stickle, welcome to About Progress. Thank you. I feel like I, my excitement made your name stretch out a little while there, but you deserve <laughs> a stretched out name. I, I'm grateful that we have this online connection, but we also finally get to meet face to face and chat about something you are super passionate about. And that passion is already radiating through the screen and making me feel more passionate just about life in general. Before I get ahead of myself though, let's start with an introduction. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, Leanne Stickle, mom of four, wife to Don, and a patient living with MS for the last 13 years. Mm-hmm. I suppose that list could go on and on, right, for all of us, but we can stop there for today. Well, and let's also just before we dig into like the actual meat of this episode, like how is your health doing? My health is actually pretty good. I am cautiously optimistic. And when you have a chronic illness, you just hope for good days with quiet symptoms. And I feel like I have more of those than not. So I feel really thankful that 13 years later, I'm sitting here, you know, with you feeling well, living a full life and not feeling like it's the boss of me. That's beautiful to hear about. And I know you said you have four kids and I personally, you told me before we started recording, I know that they're teenagers. So you must've had really quite young kids when you were diagnosed. Yeah, I was 29 and my four kids were six and under, and you can relate to that, right? It was a season yeah. in my life that I 
didn't have a lot of time to pay attention to myself. I used to say that I take calls in the order they're received, right? We can only help one person at a time. And I was usually last on that list. So mm -hmm. symptoms like fatigue, I mean, who hasn't met a mother that isn't exhausted, right? That wasn't a red flag for me. So the diagnosis journey was um, hard and very surprising. Really, I didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to have ha gotten answers quickly and been able to make decisions how I'm going to manage the chronic illness. That's important, right? And a lot of people chase their diagnosis for a long time. So I'm thankful for my story, even though when I was diagnosed, I really went into a period of mourning. It was a very, very hard time in my life. I'm sure it was. I, I personally want to know way more about that, but let's talk about how that connects to what's become a big passion project of yours. And it's being a director of a charitable race. And, you know, let's, let's talk about the race itself really quick. Can you tell us the name that you've been of the race that you've been running? Yeah. So it is try to beat MS and it's a kid's triathlon. It's for kids ages six to 15. And our claim to fame is that there's no experience necessary. We just need you to be able to ride a two wheel bike. And it's just really special because we feel like it includes a whole community population of kiddos that maybe don't always have events that are for them or yeah. their size, right? When you are a mom of young kiddos, there's story hour, there's mommy and me swim, there's a few lovely things that I participated in, but there wasn't always the big stuff or, right? We would go to bigger siblings or maybe parents would participate in a 5k or a triathlon, but one of our missions was to bring something kid-sized and with the goal of inspiring kids to love fitness. We didn't get too far into my story, but part of my story is how much fitness has been a part of my journey mm -hmm. and so powerful. And I win nothing. I am not fast. I am not ripped. <laughs> like I'm not that kind of fitness, but I do move because I can. And when I was diagnosed with MS, it was such a powerful why mm -hmm. to show up and work out that that really helped me. It was something I could control. So we want to inspire our youth to love fitness because we know they're going to face hard things too, right? So we feel like that's a close secondary mission to the primary mission of raising money. And where is it typically held? Yeah. So I'm coming to you from central Illinois, uh, the greater Peoria area. And we have a little community called Chillicothe. It's a town of 6,000. They have a beautiful park right on the Illinois river. And they are such an amazing partner with us in this event because they have a community pool. The city closes down the road for us so that we have no traffic bike route. The park has a beautiful running course. Like it's just super fun, super cool piece of the Midwest. And that's where we host the event. Thanks for sharing all the details there. And that was just, I mean, maybe we've got some progressors in Illinois who would love to take part in this. I wish it were closer to where I am so that I could, especially after we've been going uh, to a lot of races for my husband and my kids have said, asked if they can, they can do something like that. So, uh, but I'll be cheering you on from over here and sending people your way. Now let's talk about you getting into being a director of a charitable race. This is a huge deal. It's a ton of work and you've been doing it for eight years. So this has been no slim passion of yours, but I'm curious how, it, how you even got into it in the first place. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And the reality is, is that attending of an event is a lot different than directing an event, right? We can attend a lot of races, a lot of events, and we enjoy them. And we think we kind of know what's happening until you're in charge of all those details. And let me tell you that year one was bumpy and I had help. And the reason that I had a little bit of help was because my kids had participated in an event like this in Michigan. And the it everything clicked for me that I really loved that event. I realized that Central Illinois didn't have anything like this. And so that's kind of what got the ball rolling. I also think that it is so beautiful to do something good with the bad part of your story. I want to say that again because I think it's really an important point. And if any, if there's one takeaway for anybody when they listen to us today, it's that. Think about the hard part of your story, what you have been asked to face that you didn't choose, right? That wasn't part of your plan. It wasn't on your bucket list, but now you're having to face it. And because of that, you've become aware of challenges that other people have, right? I became aware of a whole community of people that, had so many challenges, maybe didn't have the health insurance that I had, maybe didn't have the family support that I had. That awareness really motivated me to pour my volunteer efforts and volunteer hours, which, you know, like side note, everybody should have a few volunteer hours in their life. If we all did that, that'd be cool, wouldn't it, Monica? Yes. Decided I'm just pour. like, yes. And I need to up that. I'm like, does counting, you know, volunteering at the preschool and school count? 100%. And and for a season, right, that's where my volunteer efforts were. But I just felt this pull to raise money for that community because now I've become aware of it. So do something good with the bad part of your story. So the race director of the event in Michigan, I reached out to her and she was raising money for a rare condition that her son had. And I just told her, you are amazing. What you've done is fantastic. We loved your event, right? I charmed her up one side and down the other. And I, that earned me a couple conversations with her. And I just took religious notes and she poured her heart out about the event that she had hosted. And that's where I started was from that. Two and it was all you. Like this was you taking the full initiative. It wasn't just like, taking over a race that already existed or a friend or, or even, you know, a larger community in terms of where you lived, wanting to do this, this was your brainchild. It is, it, it is my fifth child, you know, and it's funny because when I started it, my husband said, you know, what are we committed to? And I'm like, well, at least a decade, you know, we need to do this for 10 years. <laughs> well, now yeah. we've actually hosted the eighth year yeah. and I have, I have young nephews that are coming that are younger, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, I can't quit now. So yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like there's an end in sight. Does it feel like, uh, you know what to do now, or is it still like every year is totally different? So year one was insanity, right? Talk to anybody that starts a new job, starts a new business, anything. Year one is rough. I don't care how much help you have or how much money you have. It's just so much learning. And that was my experience. Our family came together, volunteers, and we have over 70 volunteers on that day. Let me tell you, my friend, I begged, borrowed, stole any human that would stand there and work for me for free because to get 70 volunteers to show up on a summer Saturday morning was huge mountain that I completely Mm. underestimated. And 
Yet for a children's event, safety is number one, mm-hmm. number one. So to make sure and ensure that the safety of all these kiddos, we need all those grownups, right? So all that to say year two, we go into it, it happens and we all look at each other like, that was amazing. This was so much, like, yeah. it just ran. Those 70 volunteers that I just cajoled to come year one, loved it so much mm-hmm. that it was hardly any effort. They came back. They want their spots back. We give them coffee and donuts. We are, we call ourselves the Chick-fil-A of triathlons. Like it is our <laughs> pleasure to make this the best experience. And the energy mm-hmm. there to me is as valuable as the money we're raising because yeah. You go to events with your husband, right? Race energy is amazing. All these people have done a hard thing. They are showing up. They've worked so much. They've paid money. They've traveled. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like race people are nuts. <laughs> they are a special breed. Mm-hmm. They are. And I say that as a race person. And yet that energy, we just feel like it's pouring into these kids and it will be mm-hmm. a lifelong passion and addiction. And there couldn't be a healthier addiction than to something that motivates them to keep moving, to keep achieving anyways. So exciting. And those volunteers too. I, I, I asked that because I, I just wanted to have a little hope, like, you know, after you get through the first year or two, maybe three, then hopefully it's not as intensive or, you know, I'm sure it's intense, but you know what I mean? Like in in terms of the the constant fires that you're putting out. So let's, let's talk about the main question here. And I'm thinking about the woman here who has a similar hard in her life, whether it's her, um, experiencing this personally or with her children or other loved ones. And she's inspired to do something about it in a bigger way and, and do something to serve this community and the literal, you know, local community that she's in. How do you direct a charitable race event? So that is a very long list. And my first answer to that is reach out to me. Mm-hmm. I have mentored, I have been that person for other people that so generous Michigan you. race director was to me, right? Yeah. It was a couple of phone calls, but I was able to email her and it gave me wings. And so that's my first thing is my recommendation is to not do it alone, to ask people that are a few steps ahead of you. And it's not necessarily at a cost or an expense to you. You can get help that is an expense if that's part of your mission and your budget. And, you know, a few years in, we became our own nonprofit. And that was because I wanted to have all the say in how we spent the dollars that we raised. Yeah. When you are just what I would call a charitable club, which is where we started Mm -hmm. for businesses that we're sponsoring. And this is a little nitty gritty, but I think it's worth sharing because these are hard things to learn or can be when a business wants to write off their donation to you as a charitable donation then that money has to go directly to a 501c3. So if I'm not a 501c3, but I have a business that says, yes, Leanne, we see your mission. We want to help you. Okay. Then I can funnel those dollars to the organization that I was going to donate the money to anyways. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what if I needed those dollars to buy race shirts? Right. So I couldn't have all of those dollars. Yeah. be earmarked, right? For the National MS Society or what we also have in Illinois is the Central Illinois MS Council. So I give to those two charities. 
Um, so I, I needed operating dollars. So the way that happened or the way that worked is that there were businesses that would write me off as advertising. Their logo was going on the back of a shirt Got so it. they could write the check to try to beat MS, which at that point is a charitable club. And then I would have operating dollars. So that makes sense, right? There's a business side to this mm -hmm. too, right? That, that's hard. You, you can have a heart and want to raise money and donate, but the mechanics of it all are not something you learn in kindergarten or first or nope. second grade, you know, like, it's like, okay, crash course. I need to figure this out. I was not a business major. So that's the beginning is to understand where the dollars are going, get help, connect in your community, right? Start with some businesses that feel your passion. You know, year one was a, a big part of that effort was getting sponsors because mm -hmm. sponsors makes you make you successful. Your participant fee, it will cover your costs, typically. Metal, shirt, trophy, goodies, right? To be a successful charitable event, you have to raise money. Yeah. And you do that with sponsors. And so you have to be very comfortable going into businesses, asking them for money, being told no. Yeah. And that's an art form too. So that probably was a bigger learning curve. And it was a skill that I tripped into that I realized that I loved, which is super weird, right? Like nobody likes asking for money except for me. <laughs> I want you on my team then. So like, so you initially that, that when you're starting it, those two things of volunteers, like you said earlier, and, and collecting business part, uh, sponsors, those are two unexpected hurdles, but also the most important in terms of the bigger picture of nurturing relationships, establishing connections that you can call on again and again and again. Oh, totally. Right. Because year two, those sponsors loved us. Yeah. yeah. I bet it was great advertising too, because, you know. Yeah. And I didn't have to work event. hard. For it. They understood the cause. They understood the value to the community. Mm -hmm. And if they were a community partner, then they could say, hey, this is awesome. And a lot of those dollars, probably two thirds of them are staying right in central Illinois. We have a council that we literally build ramps, pay co-pays, MRIs. We, we literally are improving the quality of life for patients right here. So yeah. that is an easy sell. Mm -hmm. So there's so many nuts and bolts. Like I, yes. I don't, yeah, you have to, you have to shut me down, Monica. Well, this is where we're going to, okay, let's recap where we are. And then we'll, and then I'll see like what follow-up questions come up with this. Cause you're right. Like this can be so nitty gritty because I'm sure it's one of those things where it's a list of a thousand steps and each of those steps has other steps or like have other steps too. So let's review. So we talked about reach out to someone who is ahead of you in the journey, like Leanne. Consider if you are doing a charitable club route so you can get advertising through sponsors, you know, they're technically advertisers or become an official nonprofit. And that's the 5013C, right? Mm -hmm. And that's yep. where you can, you know, decide more of the, where the money's going and they can count as contributing to a charitable event, those business sponsors. Okay. And then we talked about focusing on nurturing business sponsors and volunteers. So that's already a, a huge list. And I want to dig into each of them more because I'm like one of those curious people, but let's say this, we're talking to the newbie here. 
which of those would you say, please put this, please put this at the top of your list? Sponsors. Okay. Any special tips about that? Yep. So first of all, you need to have a sponsorship packet. So what's included in a packet is one, your story, two, sponsorship levels. Those are the two most important pieces. Obviously, event information, what your dollars are doing, et cetera. That's part of your story. That's on page one of my sponsorship packet. Page two is levels. What do your levels include? Is it placement on the shirt? Do they get to have a table at your event? What is included? Is it their logo? Is it their just their name printed on the back of your shirt? And deciding what those are worth. I will tell you, don't do anything for a hundred dollars. <laughs> okay. So, and and that that advice was given to me almost a decade ago. And so, because it's too low, it's too low. Yeah. Okay. It's too much work for you to get all the materials. Make sure they're on your website. Give them a shout out on social media. Right. All of those things that you want to show up for for your sponsors mm-hmm. to honor their their monetary donation to you. So the lowest level that I have is 250 mm-hmm. and we still feel like that's a really good deal for what they're getting. And it honestly is, even though I haven't done something like this, I know just from my own side of doing sponsorships or workshops and things like that, that is, yeah. It's a good deal. It's reasonable. There. Also see the value yeah. is more than just the dollar. Mm-hmm. So having all of those business be part of this community. So start with sponsors, start with that packet start going into those businesses, be completely fine with them saying no, understand that they are being asked by a million people and start with that statement. We understand that so many people ask for your dollars, but consider our cause. And when they say no, assume, you don't even have to assume, I know with confidence, it's not me. It's not me that they said no to. And I always ask them, would it be okay if I popped in next year? They will consider you when they're thinking about their budget. If you show up a couple times, my sponsors that are, anybody that does sponsor me gets a personal thank you, hand delivered mm-hmm. with donuts. I walk in, a lot of sponsors aren't at your event, right? Maybe it's like the tire place and they're run by 60 year old that doesn't have kiddos or grandkids that are in your event. Yeah. And so showing up, not taking much of their time, recap the success and a treat goes a long ways, right? So then not every time that I walk in their door, I'm asking for money. So the sponsorship magic has to be really where you start. That's such a good breakdown too. I love that. Um, How far in advance would someone who's doing this for the first year get started? If they're like, I want to do this in May, how many months should they actually give themselves to plan this all out? So you can do it in six months. First year, I would like nine to 12 Yeah, planning and marketing. We know that people have to see things 8 million times to consider coming to it, especially the first time. Yeah. And marketing and advertising, will it is the bane of my existence. It tortures me because you have to be everywhere. And okay. that's not very efficient, right? Okay. Um, but- you can do it. You can do it quicker. You can do it quicker. And that's starting with like the city and getting sponsors. I'm sure you have to do a lot of stuff with the city too. 
Right. So you've got to have a location. So you've got to start with your location, the city permits, like the legal side of it, because you cannot print anything. You're not going to print a date until you know that the park is open. Right. So definitely start with the city and legal and think about what has to happen first. It won't take you that long. And a conversation with me in 20 minutes, you will, I actually have a spreadsheet. So I'm happy to share that with people. And I actually have dates and months that it needs to be done by. And you could adjust that. for Oh, your wow. Own. Wow. That's really, really helpful. Okay. Don't worry. You know, those who are listening, are like, but how do we reach out to Leanne? Don't worry. We'll, we'll tell you in a moment. Okay. So I'm just going to say this really transparently. I know there's still so much here that we can dig into, but I think this is a good starting place for those who are thinking about this. Now let's talk about one thing you would do differently if you could go back in time. I know. And you even gave me a heads up on that question. And it's so hard to narrow down to one thing. Mm -hmm. I would say bring in more partners. I am a firstborn perfectionist Enneagram three. So tiny bit control freak and hesitant to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And so it's only been in the last few years that I have actually had a team And I think that that made year one a lot harder. Yeah. They're one of the, one of my passion projects is being a good leader. And I think that I learned from my mentor that one of the best leadership traits is being able to sell your mission. And I want to encourage people that people want to be part of your team. So being a good leader is selling your mission. And helping them to see the value of what you're doing and making them part of the team. That's, that really is the one thing that I should have done differently at the beginning was to start with a team. Okay. I like how you described what that really looks like too. It's, it's, it's like enrolling them in, in the vision that you have and it becomes theirs. What an incredible collective force that can become in addition to the help you need. So final question for you, Leanne, how well, I'm sure there's many like benefits from this. Let's talk about what's been for you personally, the biggest benefit of this passion project. Oh man. Another tough one. Uh, huh? you, you do, you do know me, right? Like <laughs> choosing one is the, the worst thing ever. Okay. It is so energy and life-giving to me, this project yeah. that it is not work. And the reason that is, is because of the response of the participants, the repeat participants and the impact of the dollars raised, right? We really are accomplishing our first and our secondary missions, right? First being raise money for the Mm -hmm. patient, secondary, inspire kids to love fitness. So the benefit to me is that with our family's volunteer hours, we are actually accomplishing that we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars. That's not something that our family would have been able to donate And so it's been absolutely worth it. And that just keeps me going. I also just love seeing the, the sparkle in your eyes as you're talking about this. Uh, Also the leadership skills that you've been cultivating over this time and also uh, a surprise skills, you know, like who would know I have a skill of going door to door and asking people for money. It's not something you would typically like just know ahead of time without the doing. 
So it's been such a gift to spend this time with you, to see that, that passion, to learn from you. Even if I don't end up planning a race day, I've sure learned a lot and, and been inspired about how I can, you know, make my life better and other lives better by doing something like this. Um, if people want to reach out to you, where should they go? Well, thank you, Panica. First of all, for all of those comments, it's so flattering. I appreciate it so much. And this has just been a delight. They can find me on Instagram. I'm there probably the most because I enjoy it the most. And on Instagram, my account is I am Leanne Stickle, but my website is leannestickle.com. You can reach out to me. There's contact information. I am an extrovert of extroverts. So don't be a stranger. I voice note on the regular and am happy to hop on Zoom with friends that have a similar goal or mission or hope dream even just to pick it apart because those conversations are so valuable and we really do make success happens in community. So lean in and see me as a community partner. So lovely of you. Again, I'm grateful for the time you spent with me today and for your willingness to help others who want to be in a similar place and position of services as you are. So thank you very much, Leanne. You're welcome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.